This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Wednesday, everybody, here in Jacksonville, Florida, and beyond, uh, listening all over the globe during this global pandemic. Brent Mortno, Austin Lane, Coos, on a Wednesday. Twitter with the question of the day. I like this one. What do you got? What would you like to live tweet from the 90s? What event? Hmm. Go ahead and give me, well, you know, I'm biased, man, and I'm impartial, so let's go ahead and go with the Wings Avalanche um, fight at the Joe Louis Arena when basically both branches got cleared. Um, I could break those fights down, so that would probably be what I'd be live tweeting. That would have been great uh, yeah. for about 400 of you that would have jumped in on that live oh, Twitter action. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, he got me! You, you honestly forget how, how big hockey was back in the early 90s, though, huh? <laughs> Yes. Kind of, kind of forgot about that a little bit, didn't you? I guess it's all, it's I all did. good, though, man. I guess I did. It's all good, though, man. It's not for you, and it's okay. It's okay. It's for a lot of people out there, though. Um, this uh, say, uh, say golf. I can make fun of it, please. Please say golf. Nah, it's okay. Good. Uh, uh, somebody had a great one though. It was O.J. Simpson and the chase? Yeah. And I figure O.J. these days would be texting. And driving. <laughs> For sure. He'd be doing his own little video. Yeah, he'd be, uh, he'd be trying to promote some kind of product. I mean, I don't know. Is the OJ, but th- that was like a long process, though. I mean, you're just going to be like, all right, well, he's still yeah, driving. Like, but Twitter would have blown up. I mean, no, TV Twitter blew up. Yeah, Twitter would have blown up, but like... Would you have live to? I mean, I just want to turn on TV and watch it. Like, I'm not. The last thing I care about is watching OJ Simpson. All of a sudden, I wonder what people's thoughts are about OJ Simpson driving down a highway. Yeah, a little bit, but you don't experience Twitter like a lot of people do, though. I think, in fairness, you say You're you kind of put your right. phone down. So oh, yeah. when you watch TV, that's not what people do. I mean, people have a second screen where they mm-hmm. are either talking on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. That's what people do when they watch games. You don't necessarily do that, but this would have been like a sporting event. Okay. The O.J. Simpson thing. Okay. I think. I mean, I think it would have been unbelievable. I'm not sure what would break Twitter, but that would have been close to breaking sure. Twitter, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. Now, from a sporting event standpoint, I would probably – I was thinking about this. One of the first ones that popped in my mind because I think everybody did go to the TV during this stretch, McGuire and Sosa. As yeah. that thing heated up down the down the stretch of that season, I was in college, and I remember just getting back from a class. Maybe it was the Cubs playing an afternoon game. You would, and I like baseball, but I, I wouldn't be watching the Cubs all the time or the Cardinals all the time. Yeah. That was appointment television uh, to to see one of those guys at bats. Mm-hmm. You know, more so than even Bonds. Like Bonds, they started to do like the live look ins at, at his at bats when he was breaking the record and all that crazy season. But this was different because baseball had obviously been down the dumps and, and these guys were bringing it back. And it was before the steroid era was a thing uh, that they were launching home runs. It was more chicks dig the long ball kind of era. So I think that would be one which would have been pretty wild to see and would have lasted a long time, would have been day in, day out. Mm. Kind of like, um, you know, it, on a smaller level the way in this pandemic the last dance has been like when people are watching it and talking about it yeah. and, it, and it kind of breathes 
throughout the week and people continue to talk about it, uh, some of that's because nothing else is going on. You'd, you'd wonder how much the last dance would be viewed, watched if sports were going on mm-hmm. and how much conversation on a daily basis there would be about it. I think a lot, but I just I, I think it would take a little bit of a hit in terms of where it's at. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, people are fiending right now for, you know, sports entertainment and the, the last dance is kind of, you know, giving that fix a little bit. Now, in terms of what I'm into, I mean, today is like maybe the Super Bowl of alternative sports for me because we got NXT tonight, we got AEW tonight, and we got UFC tonight. So, like, as far as the alternative sports fans are concerned, we're excited, man. This, this is, is a good night. This is like Christmas for us. Yeah. Can't wait. So, AEW, UFC, what else did you say? NXT. Oh, NXT. That's yeah. right. NXT. Uh, yeah. So, how are you going to watch all that? Uh, well, you know, you go picture in picture and then have one of my cell phone as well. So <clears throat> I'm not worried about it. I'll probably DVR, honestly, because obviously I got to show up for my boy Tony Khan, right? So I have to watch all the wrestling live. I'll probably DVR NXT. So I'll have the UFC and AEW at the same time then watch NXT later. Yeah, that is a, from an alternative sports kind of standpoint. You that is believe a, it, it's a really good one. So, um, that is tonight. We'll talk a little bit about UFC. Uh, what's, this card isn't getting nearly the buzz. Is is that is there a reason why? Is it appropriate? It's, well, it's, it's not a pay-per-view, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's like a regular card on ESPN. So as far as the promotion's concerned, um, you know, it's it's not um, as in-depth, obviously. And maybe like the, the, the caliber of fighters on this card coming up, um, probably not as good as the, the UFC pay-per-view Some card. Some fights that you like, though? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Absolutely, man. There's always fights I like. And I also have a question for you regarding a question that everybody was asking me on Saturday night okay. about UFC. So that will come up in a little bit. Look forward uh, to that. Yeah, I bet, you, I bet you've been asked it before. Okay. So uh, I, I've got something out there today. How do you feel right now about sports coming back? And that sounds like a, okay, Brent, you've probably asked that question like, 25 times in the last couple months and maybe we have but the reason i bring it up is i would say if you asked me last week and even the last couple weeks i saw a trend going to things opening up right and we've seen that phase one and now i guess into phase two in some parts and you're like okay I can see this. The NFL schedule comes mm-hmm. out, gives you a little momentum. They were able to get the draft. It, it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to buy the time. September rolls run. Heck, if they have to push the season a couple of weeks, okay. Major League Baseball, they're trying to get together. The talks about trying to get together. This was the last couple of weeks before they actually have gotten together. The NBA, well, they're trying these different things. They've got a couple of plans in place. UFC's coming back. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's going to open things up. That's going to be a, a, a little bit of a table setter. And, you know, golf's on the horizon. They've set their schedule. So that's kind of been the landscape the last couple of weeks. And so I've been very positive in saying, hey, listen, uh, early July, I'm still a little bit mixed emotions about May and June and where this all lands. But by the early July, I feel like we'll maybe turn a corner in here. Well, I've done a lot of reading the last couple of days and a lot of watching and, you know, the guys that really follow the NBA, the guys that really follow the MLB, that know the ins and outs, college sports, not just college football, but college sports and the continue, continuation of news that comes out of that sport, whether it's football related or other sport related, like the MAC now saying they're not going to have conference tournaments for the next four years in the MAC in, in like eight sports. I'll tell you what, I'm just being honest with you. I feel a lot different today. I feel a lot different. I don't know if I'm just reading all the negative stuff or just consuming it all at one time in the last 36 hours or so and getting these updates. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I'm not as confident as I was the last couple of weeks ago. I have a, have a not so great feeling that they're going to be able to fire this up like I thought it, 
they were going to be able to do. And, and it might have been a little naive for me to think that they were going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. But I'm just being honest with you the way I feel about it. My gut right now is this is going to be a lot more problematic on the other side. And, and what I mean by the other side, the next three months, than I really kind of anticipated it might be a week or two ago. What do you anticipate being problematic about it? One, them actually pulling the trigger on it. Who's going to be first? And what I mean by that, UFC was first. That's mm-hmm. fine. Golf might be first. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We're talking about very small, controlled, kind of individual sports, if you will. Mm-hmm. We're not talking team sports. And so when you talk about baseball and the NBA and then obviously football, who jumps that hurdle? Who jumps the team sport hurdle where you're in a locker room together with 15 players or 40 players in, in baseball and 55 play 53 in, in football, maybe even more if they expand some rosters, who knows? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm having a little bit harder time thinking. And the doomsday stuff in college athletics, I, I, I will tell you, is concerning me and not just about football, even though that's a problem. Uh, but now that we're seeing some of the opening up, we're obviously getting the news at the same time that California is like, wait, <laughs> we're not doing anything for another three months. And there's a lot of news out of the Pac-12 or Oregon or other places that, you know, we might not even come back on campus well, all fall. And if they're not coming back on campus, then the NCAA says, well, it's going to be hard to do sports if you're not on campus. And I, I'm not saying you have to have everybody on board. But I think the more you you don't have the majority on board, the more difficult it gets for sports. So here's my issue right now with everything going on. And it's an issue that you can face on a football team. It's an issue you can face on your everyday life. Or it's an issue you can face in your workplace. Not everyone's on the same page right now. Okay? Arizona just announced sports are back on, man. Let's go. Yeah. What, what are we waiting for? Sports are back on. California's like, hey, what what are we talking about right now, man? It's like, like we're living on two different planets, planets right? Bricks. Exactly. You know, and then obviously Georgia opened up last week. You know, Florida, obviously, Florida sports are on right now. Let's Governor go. DeSantis just said, hey, let's ride. pro sports, yeah. come on. So we'll, we'll entertain you. We'll host you. So listen, like, no one's on the same page right now. And, and I get it. Like, each state has its own set of rules, its own set of laws. I get that. But in terms of sports, though, it all falls under one banner. So whether it's baseball, whether it's hockey, whether it's football, I mean, it's under the same banner. So to have one state go, well, come on open. We're open for business. Let's go. What are you guys waiting for? And have another state to be like, nah, man, we're not sure. Yeah, that makes me nervous right now because you need the communication. You need everybody to be on the same page or this isn't going to work, man. Okay, so that's professional. Don't even get me started about college you know, students right now because for the NCAA or whoever, for university to go, you know what? We may not be having school right now, but you guys got to come back and play some football because, let's be honest, you guys generate a lot of money to the university, and if we don't have you, we're probably going to go bankrupt. Like, someone's got to tell these football players that, number one, the sheep will always outweigh the wolves, and they will always outman the wolves. And if you're a football player, a college football player, you know what I would say? If you really want me to come back, then you better pay me because I'm not getting treated like a student athlete right now. I'm getting treated just like an athlete, okay? Last time I checked, I got a scholarship to go to school, all right? That's what it's all about. But if you you come out and say, well, yeah, school, we'll see what happens there, but come play some football – of course, all the kids can come play because, let's be honest, it's football and that's what they're there for. Or, you know, a lot of them are. I don't want to put anybody in a category. But at the end of the day, you can't justify putting people at risk, you know, that aren't students, whether it's the athletes to say, well, we need you guys to go out there and try to save things. 
That's not right. If you're not getting paid, I wouldn't do it. You, you are an essential worker. You're a student athlete, man. Don't you have to get it right? It's a, and it's a really good call. Where does that separate? Obviously, there's this pay to play or the the uh, likeness thing going on right yeah. now that's trending toward athletes getting paid. But this is different. This does feel like, hey, uh, we need to go hire you guys to work to entertain, create money because that's how we operate in dollars. And again, how dire is it in college athletics when they're already pulling the plug on a lot? Of things and I'm not talking about guys taking 10 percent pay cuts of their salary I'm mm-hmm. talking about when you you look at the Mac alone and what they did and I know it's the Mac so people are like the problem with college sports to me has always been this good old boy network it's like I don't care about the other guy I don't care about the other guy well the little guy really is what I'm saying it's yeah. it's all the power five it's SEC it's a well that's great you know and, and that's fine but college sports is more than that mm-hmm. you know college sports in terms of uh, breathing life into college sports for a long time to come is more than that. It's not just football. It's not just basketball. And it's not just power five schools. And so I took that one a little bit differently. You know, I, was, I played at a small school. You did yeah. too. And for those guys not to have conference tournaments now for the next four years. When I'm talking about like this spring they got canceled. We knew that mm-hmm. for the next four years. Now, what does that do? I don't know. I mean, do you need conference tournaments? Maybe you don't. You know, maybe that's the new wave. Maybe it works out well. But for them to already say that uh, is is damning. And there's a list. Uh, there was an ESPN article that kind of has a list of things that have already happened in college sports. Uh, we'll read it to you. Yeah. And it's not just the Cincinnati eliminating men's soccer. Oh, there's you know? a bunch of stuff. It's a long on. stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff, but because it's not Alabama football, Florida football, Clemson football, this, we're not really talking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I just this underbelly of college sports, I think, has a chance to get really hammered by this thing. And I'm not sure has a chance. It might be already happening. Well, and let's be honest here, Brent. Only two sports, I think, realistically, and I'm, maybe there's some schools that are different, but only two sports realistically make money for their schools, okay? Football, for sure, obviously, and I think some basketball programs, depending on the school, can make money for the university. Everything else in terms of travel and, you know, all, the, all those other things, um, I'm sure they actually lose money, all right, for yeah. those sports. So they depend on football and basketball to, you know, generate the income um, to help the other sports out. So, once again, I'm not just saying, like, hey, you guys got to start a revolution or anything like that. But they need football to happen, okay? And I think some schools need basketball to happen, okay? Those are the two essential things. I didn't see this kind of energy for the wrestling teams. I didn't see this kind of energy for tennis teams, for softball teams. It was like, all right, well, COVID-19, sorry about your championships. Good luck to you. You guys can come back next year if you want, but uh, you guys are done. You know, like, we're shutting it down. But now, I mean... We're not out of the, uh, we're not out of the woods yet, but it's like well football season's right around the corner, so let's start getting some talks rolling here. So I'm just saying, if you're a college football player, man, I would band together and I would say, you know what, you, you guys need us a lot more than we need you right now. Let's be honest. So d- demand to have your name licensed. I'm not saying demand twenty thousand dollars, you know, in a stipend or, or a per diem. No, just say, you know what, if you guys want us to come back, you know, and risk ourselves. Because we're not going to school, then go go ahead and license our name. Let's get, meet us halfway. Like this, honestly, if something good can come out of this, Brent, 
these conversations right here between the, the NCAA licensing, I know they're already out there, but this can try to maybe you know push a little faster. Yeah, speed it up. Yeah, speed it up a little bit. Maybe something good can come of all this. All right, let's talk a little bit more about that. That's interesting. Uh, we'll talk a little college football and, and college sports in the landscape of what's going on right now. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, just a little reality of I'm just being honest with you. I feel a little bit differently right now. I, I'm, I feel a little more mixed about this stuff starting up. And there's another thought I had about football. And I'll share that with you coming up. And this isn't just college football, but the NFL as well. That's coming up on the other side. I'll talk a little bit about where these sports leagues are today uh, in terms of getting back to play, even though we've seen some signs of it. Have we seen enough? And is it reality? Uh, and are we living in a reality kind of world right now, even though Florida feels somewhat open? Uh, a lot of the rest of the country. Uh, does not. So we'll talk about that plus much, much more. UFC in Jacksonville once again tonight. I got a question about UFC for Austin coming up a little bit later on. And share with us what would you like to live tweet from the 90s, if you were even alive, from the 90s, uh, from a sporting event perspective that would have been off the charts good and maybe help break Twitter. We've got the OJ Simpson chase. We got McGuire Sosa, Red Wings Avalanche. Some good stuff from the 90s uh, that uh, maybe it is Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Yeah. Maybe it's Rodman. Mm, now we're talking. <laughs> you know? well, I mean, you remember when Rodman had his book release and he wore a wedding dress? Like, <laughs> dude, that, that would have broke Twitter. That might have broke Twitter. The guy showed up to his book <laughs> release wearing a wedding dress and makeup, man. That was insane. I'm not sure Twitter would have been ready for that. No, for sure. Uh, hopefully you're <laughs> ready for the rest of the show right here on ESPN 690. I really feel for for the league and Adam and everybody who's trying to make this decision because there's uh, this is not something as simple as uh, you know a, a, a natural disaster in terms of you know weather uh, like a hurricane or something. This is you know this is a virus. There, there's there's ramifications. I'm sure there's uh, legal uh, liability issues. Um, and more than anything, Adam Silver is just a, a really good person, and I'm sure he's cons- considered the safety and, and life of every person involved has to be uh, taken with great care before you make any decision. That is Steve Kerr, Golden State Warriors uh, head coach, star of the last dance as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is really unbelievable. It'll be a great trivia question like 40 years from now. Everybody knows it now, but I mean, for him to have played on the 72 win. And Bulls, and then yeah. coach the the Warriors, and uh, it's amazing. I mean, just amazing. And I know it's like I know we knew that. <laughs> yeah, I get it. My point is, like, forty years from now, people will forget that. Yeah, and it's a good reminder in the last dance that Kerr uh, has been a special part of some historic teams. Dude, props to Steve Kerr too. I and mean, we talk about this at all during the last dance, but when he stood up to Michael Jordan, you know, and kind of punched him yeah. a little bit, because let's be honest, Steve Kerr's a lot of things intimidating or physical is probably not one of them. But the fact that uh, he stood up to Michael Jordan, you know. And obviously got you know punched in the eye for it, but I think you know you kind of earned MJ's respect out of that. That's what it's all about in team sports. Yeah, not only that, but uh, it, it can be like that in the business world too, with bosses or with coaches or with whatever else. You know that they're almost some people act that way, like they want you to come back. Well, they don't want you to just lay down. They want you to challenge them. Now they don't want you to punch them, but yeah. they want you. They don't want you like being in a disrespectful way. But there's uh, there's people I've worked for in this industry that they respect you more when you come back at them a little bit mm-hmm. with why you did something or you f- stand for something or there's some principle behind it. And I think that was a little bit cur to Jordan in that respect. The thing I loved about it, really, where I gained more respect for Jordan is on the way home he called him. 
Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not sure every star athlete, especially star and iconic athlete like Michael Jordan would do that. Maybe they would. Yep. But I thought the fact that he called Kerr and apologized was actually one of the cool anecdotes of that episode. Have, have, I, have I told the Lance Briggs story where I, I, I uh, stole his chair, supposedly? No. Okay, so um, my first week in Chicago, we're back at the facility. Um, we're getting ready for training camp. And it was our first defensive meeting with Mel Tucker. And, um, you know, it was my first time in the building. So literally I go sit down in a seat with my defensive ends or my outside linebackers around me, and I'm just sitting down. Well, you know, Lance Briggs comes in at the time. I mean, Lance Briggs was on the, the back nine of his career, but he was still Lance Briggs, right? Like, I mean, he's he's arguably one of the greatest Bears linebackers of all time. You walk in the practice facility, like there's big po- portraits of him, like Paws would be here in Jacksonville. He's you know, Daryl like, Smith kind of underrated. Exactly, though. for sure. Right, because for sure. people don't talk about him yeah, like but, that. Yeah, but, but people in Chicago, though, appreciate they, it. They do. Right, yeah. So I'm sitting down, and, I, and he comes in or whatever, and I feel a tap in my back. And I turn around as Lance Briggs. I haven't even t- introduced myself yet to him, you know, my new teammate. He's like, hey, what's up, man? You're in my seat. And I look around. I'm like, all right, well, Austin, this is one of those moments. You know, this is one of those moments where either you stand up for yourself and you say, no, this is not your seat. This is the seat that was open when I sat down here. Deal with it. Or you get punked and you find a new seat. And where I was coming from, you know, I was going on my fifth year in the NFL, and I felt like, you know, I've earned the right to take a seat that doesn't have your name on it, right? So I turn around and I go, no, actually, man, this was this seat was here, so I'm, I'm taking the seat now. And he's like, oh, for real, that's how we're going to do it here. So I'm like, all right, well, we might get in a fight here. You know, like, we're literally, like, we're getting ready to start the meeting. Tucker's, you know, walking to the front of the room. Briggs is yelling at me. I'm like, all right, here we go. What a good first impression. I'm about to get in a fight with probably the most famous defensive guy on the team right now outside of Peanut Tillman. And I'm just like, no, man, I, I literally, like, your name's not on it. This is my seat, and I'm not going to get punked. I'm like, I'm not some rookie who can just punk like that. And he goes, okay, we'll take care of this later. I'm like, Cool. Sounds good. I go, let's take care of it later. So I turn back around. You know, we go through the meeting and everything. We walk to the locker room, and it's awkward, man, right? Like, no one's really talking to me because, once again, I'm, I'm the new guy in town, right? And I just kind of went back and forth with Lance Briggs a little bit. We get on the field. We get through stretch lines. I'm not worried about it. I'm just trying to focus on what I have to do, play outside linebacker. And I'll never forget, man, before practice started, Briggs comes up and he's like, hey, man. I see you, dude. Like, he's like, hey, I wasn't trying to test you or anything. Um, I didn't really know who you were. I thought you were actually a rookie. So, hey, props to you, man. That's that's your seat going forward. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, playing with you and everything like that. Uh, so, how about that? Yeah, so it was cool, man. But, like, it was one of those instances, man, where, you know, the whole team's kind of, well, the whole defense is kind of around you, right? And everyone's kind of looking back a little bit. What's going to happen do. here? Yeah, so everyone faces those, you know, those moments sometimes. Yeah, well, what's interesting about that for you is, you know, you're in a in, in a very much can't win situation because you're a new guy and yeah. you're challenging the guy that's the been guy. there for a bit. Captain. And so yeah. hey, you better go get three sacks in practice that day or you might get cut. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and thankfully, too, like, you know, Tuck knew me before in Jacksonville. So um, if I had one thing going for me, like yeah. Tuck kind of got my personality yeah. a little bit and Tuck understood what was going on. So he kind of let it. Uh, he kind of let it, let us handle it internally, if you will. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Don't try this seat. You stay in your own seat. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Well, I've had plenty of guys sit in my seat. We had Ryan Davis in this seat. We had a couple of guys in this seat. The beauty is now nobody's sitting in our seats. No, for sure. <laughs> Not just us, this. man. Nope. Just nobody's us. coming in here. Yep. And, and, and John Bachman's seat still remains you know, open, vacant, if you will. It is vacant. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. You know, a little bit later, you, you mentioned um, some of those kind of conversations, and, and I think 
Uh, is DK Metcalf who talked to rookies yeah. and Gardner Minshew was part of that kind of the rookie symposium over Zoom, I guess, yeah. uh, or Microsoft Team or whatever they did it on. But uh, so one of the messages from Metcalf was take the last seat. Yeah, as a rookie, as right? a rookie, for and, sure. and that was an interesting message. I'm not going to get into it today. We're not going to get into it today. Friday. Uh, you're going to get into that a little I bit am. more. And uh, also kind of what you would share with rookies about your playing days, yeah. uh, well, which would be pretty interesting. And it's going to be really cool, man, because, you know, like obviously on the show, we, we've reflected a little bit of my career because I haven't really just took time to stop and smell the roses, if you will. Like, yeah, man, like that was pretty cool playing football. But when we talk about it, Brent, we talk about the locker room, I get a chance to just share some of those stories. But now like essentially what I'm doing is I'm looking back at my four, you know, my five years of playing in the NFL and I'm kind of analyzing it saying, all right, what would I have done differently? here what would I have done differently here and I'm, I'm gonna share that on Friday and uh, hopefully some you know some first year guys out there hear it and it, it helps them out yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that and, and interested uh, on that part see that we actually produce the shows days in advance people yeah you know that we're planning on Friday already about first that? time during the whole quarantine we've actually <laughs> thought of something in advance so <laughs> that's right yeah. we are living day to day day to day uh, man right, it's the only way to do it uh, so let, let's just a couple minutes you brought up something and it's not the first time you brought it up but we really haven't uh, taking a deep dive into pay-to-play in this kind of situation. The college football world has made it abundantly clear that they need to play a college football season. They yeah. want to play a college football season. We're already seeing the trickle-down effect, and we'll talk about that side of it a little bit later on in the show. But college football, because they make so much money, mm-hmm. and especially the Power Fives, but even more than that, make so much money during college football season that supports so much else on campus – that they need to play. Whether it's a spring season, whether it's a pushback season, they're going to find a way to play. And what you've seen it as, and, and it's it's very true, is this opportunity to show how much of a commodity, if you will, a player in, in the college game is in football. Yeah. And you might be able to translate this to basketball as well, I think, because of March Madness. But since that season's past us and, and yeah. way down the road, let's really specifically talk about football players. You know, Northwestern banded together. A uh, couple years back, Correct. kind of started these kind of conversations, or really amped it up. I shouldn't say start; they've been they've been conversations for a long time. We now know that states like California and Florida and others have jumped on board in terms of the likeness and image and getting paid. Uh, recently, Reggie Bush came out said I would have made four to six million dollars off mine in, in college. Uh, I always say, well, what would Tim Tebow have made? Yeah. Uh, you know, and we can countless examples of it. Well, but, and there's that kid from UCF that got, you know, suspended because he had a YouTube video. Yeah. Where he was being creative and making money yeah. off it. And so, most I mean, recently, Zion Williams who's yeah. in the news in a different way, but mm-hmm. it, it sheds light on how much he could have made in that kind of, in that freshman year at Duke as well, just from a likeness standpoint. Yeah. So the bottom line is we've had these conversations, but could they push it forward even more to the pay to play if you are bringing us back to campus or if your main motivation to getting people back to campus students back to campus is so you can create this windfall of money off college football well that's because of us that's not because of you the presidents it's not because of you the board of trustees that's not because of you even the coach Mm -hmm. it's because of the players on the field that you need, you need us. We are a valuable commodity to to you for you to be able to make those dollars. I don't disagree with you. I don't know if they can speed it up and get it done so fast. Mm-hmm. They would really have to take one heck of a stand, and that's risky, and get on the same page. And where it's, it's not like they have a union, right? I mean, the, the college athletes don't no, have a union. for sure, for so sure. So 
How would they be able to do this? It would take somebody like a Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State. It would take a group of them like that to really turn this thing on its head. Yeah. But it's a great concept. But here's the – I mean, you, you brought it up. But here's the problem with that. Like, I can't foresee Clemson just saying, you know what, let's cancel the college football season until everything gets squared away. Like, Clemson, they want to play football. Absolutely. Okay. Alabama, they want to play football. So it's hard for me to see that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, any – listen – Pick your Big Ten SEC school. I, I think they all want to play football. But I guess what I'm trying to get more at is the players, right? Because the players are valuable to a university, but it's that value is going to increase tenfold now because you're starting to see just how valuable they are. We're talking about in the middle of a pandemic, and we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks or so, but we're talking about a pandemic where they're asking these players to go back just because they're trying to salvage some income and help the university out. Like, to me, that's a big value, Brent. To, to me, you're a big commodity if schools are asking you to do that. When you don't know the future, when you don't know the landscape right now, when you have states like California saying, man, we're, we're, we're done for like the next couple months or so, okay? And if I'm a football player, I can easily go, well, we're, we're going back to school, and we're going back to play football, but what, what about those guys West Coast? Why aren't they going back right now? You know, so you raise these questions. When you start raising the questions, that you can band together. My issue is this, though. I think ideally what you'd want to happen is the players to speak out and be like, hey, we're not coming back unless we have something guaranteed, like our name getting licensed and things like that. But the problem is is that you need it from the upper echelon guys, right? You need Trevor Lawrence, okay? You, you need all these Heisman hopefuls to come forward and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to play football until this gets squared away. That's hard to ask him to do that, right? Because in my opinion, it's kind of like the UFC right now, right? Like the UFC, they want to get a union going. But the top guys, like the Conor McGregor's, like the Nate Diaz's, they could care less, man, because they're making money. Like, they're doing fine. It's the lower tier guys that are suffering. It's the guys that aren't going to get drafted that are suffering from this. The Trevor Lawrence's out there, I mean, do you think they really care about, you know, I mean, sitting out the year? Like, maybe, but at the end of the day, he's getting drafted. Like, we know Trevor Lawrence is going on to bigger and better things. So who's to say, hey, Trevor, do you mind taking one for the team and saying, you know what, I'm not going to play unless we get, you know, our names licensed? I bet it's kind of hard for Trevor Lawrence to come along with that. But I'm saying if the entire teams start banding together and saying, we're not going to show up unless we get something guaranteed, like our license on our name, well, you might have something there. Isn't it? it it's called the revolution. Yeah. Couldn't you make an argument, though, that Trevor Lawrence actually has as much power right now to do something like that than he's ever had? He's the number one pick in the 2021 draft. Sure. Like, he knows it now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to play. If he doesn't have a season, he's not getting hurt by this. True. He is the number one pick in the draft. In fact, he might get helped by it because a guy named Tua was the number one pick until they played a season. Yeah. And yeah. it hurt True. him a little bit. Good point. Just a little bit. I mean, it may have hurt him longevity-wise just because he played and hurt the hip, but it didn't hurt him too much draft stock. But he, he would have been the number one pick. It obviously helped a guy like Joe Burrow uh, by playing. I mean, he would have been a fourth-round pick yeah. if he didn't play this last season or, or wherever you want to put him. But I actually think you could argue that some of those upper echelon guys have more leverage now to do that. That's what, why it might be the time to do it. I also think it's not necessarily about... You know, like in the NBA recently, they had a call between Steph Curry and Durant and, and LeBron and all those big name guys. I don't know if it's necessarily that you need those guys, the players individually. Now, Trevor Lawrence would help. I think it's more you need a team or two sure. from the people that we would suspect as the big players in college football. Alabama, Clemson, yeah. uh, Ohio State, LSU. The defending. Imagine if the defending national champ said, hey, we ain't playing until you get until you. Sweeten give us our likeness, sweeten the pot, yeah. whatever it might be. I'm not playing. Yeah. 
You're telling me the the college football world would welcome back the season with open arms without the defending national champions playing mm-hmm. or without a Trevor Lawrence-led Clemson team who's been such a big part of the landscape the last five years, without Ohio State, who plays a major political role, I believe, as well behind the scenes in college football and obviously brings a lot of money and fandom to the table. Those are the teams. And, and I'm not saying that the Georgias and Floridas and Michigans wouldn't help either Penn State's. But I think if you took one of those kind of teams, those players said, you know what? We ain't doing this yeah. unless you help change it. The problem is you're not going to get it. It's not going to happen because it's hard to get that many players on the same page and say it's worth it. Why would LSU players say that? LSU just had Joe Burrow and its entire offense make it to the NFL mm-hmm. because of last year. Now, some of those guys might have been in the NFL anyway. I'm not sure the entire offense would be in the NFL, either drafted or as undrafted free agents, if it wasn't for last year. Sure. So it's really hard to be an LSU Tiger and say, well, I want to do what those guys did because look at the opportunity they created for themselves. I need to play. I want to play. Mm-hmm. I can increase my stock. It's just a difficult thing to do. College athletes don't have a union. College athletes don't have meetings like this Mm. across campuses and other schools and programs. They're not organized enough Mm. to be able to pull it off. Northwestern was. Uh, but it's, it's Northwestern. Let's be honest. Northwestern. But, but I'm saying, I mean, it's a, you know, I, I think it's forward thinking. I mean, it's a pretty prestigious school yeah. in terms of that. You would re- it would just be so hard to do. So my point, I think the point is spot on. I think yeah. it's fascinating to think of. I just think it won't happen. Like it, and that's where. I guess the well, college football system is protected a little bit, and the athletes kind of hurt themselves. The student is, athletes hurt themselves yeah. because they're not willing to take that kind of leap. And, and, you know, history says no matter what you're talking about, you need somebody to take that kind of leap. You sure. need a group of people to be willing to do it. This is where, in my opinion, a coach could come forward. You know, like if there was a coach out there, and obviously a, a power five, um, a coach who, who is well-known um, in the game to come forward and say, you know what? We want something in return for this, right? Because I, I don't agree with sending my guys back to practice right now. I don't agree with my guys sending my guys back onto campus unless we have something to show for it. Like, to me, it'll take a coach, you know, and then the team obviously rallies around that. Other teams see it, and then you start the trickle effect from there. Um, a few players here or there, I don't think it's enough to make the, the difference, obviously. Um, maybe it was like a big player like Trevor Lawrence, but you, you're right, Brian, you know, and obviously I'm just wishful thinking here, but in my opinion, this is the opportunity to do it. Yeah, it's a you know, great like opportunity this, to do this, it. Like, the, this is the opportunity. Like, it's, it's it's now or you know in the next couple of years or so. But like, what better way to get what you want than than now? Okay, and like and you got to think of how it's going to trickle down. So the football team gets what they want, right? Because it's college football. Well, then after that, then all of a sudden, maybe next year, the basketball team is going, well, if football players are getting their names licensed, where are we at? And then all of a sudden, the soccer team is doing it. And then all of a sudden, all these other teams are doing it. And eventually, you get what you want, and players are getting their name licensed. And we talked about it before on the show, Brent. There really are no cons to players getting their names licensed, all right? I think it's a genius idea. Many people have talked about it. So there's no con in doing it. So why not just push for it right now, then? That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a great point, man. I I think, again, the timing is right. Will they do it? And the landscape, anyway, of college athletics is changing. I think we're seeing it change, and we'll have a little bit more about that outside of the football world coming up a little bit later on. So I want to continue to talk a little bit about the feeling today that at least I have. I don't know if uh, the rest of you are in the same boat that, yeah, we are seeing some things here in the state of Florida open up, uh, yet if you look at the grand landscape of especially the major sports 
NBA and Major League Baseball as of now, and then the college football and college sports landscape. I don't know if it feels as good as it might feel about everything else right here in, in the state of Florida opening up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get that sense. And it's a weird uh, uh, sense of mixed emotions instead for me about looking to, toward the fall and seeing where we are, even late summer, and where we are. We'll continue that discussion. But as we talk about things reopening uh, in St. Augustine, the World Golf Hall of Fame is reopening. On Monday, we welcome Brody Waters, Vice President of the World Golf Hall of Fame and Museum, into the program here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brody, this is Brent Morton on Austin Lane. Thanks for taking a few minutes, man. Uh, thanks, guys. Great to join you. Yeah, Monday uh, will be a day of, of reopening of sorts. Take us through it uh, for the World Golf Hall of Fame down in St. Augustine. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. We are uh, excited to, to be reopening, you know, like like so much of this area and, and really around the country, the World Golf Hall of Fame, you know, closed their doors to the public on March 16th, and uh, it's been a long two months, you know, as, as we've kind of sorted through this, and the as part of the state of Florida's reopening process, um, museums were actually allowed to open up on May 4th. We w- we really wanted to make sure first and foremost that the health and safety of our guests and employees was our top priority. So we felt like we needed to do some things around the Hall of Fame to be able to provide that environment. So uh, we've been doing a lot of different new measures throughout the Hall of Fame, you know, some, some social distancing practices that will take place within the museum, installation of plexiglass at all the points of sale, you know, increased cleaning measures and sanitation stations throughout the museum. Um, you know, guests will get stylists to use um that they you know, freestyles for all the guests that they can use on all the touch screens. A lot of different uh, new procedures put in place so that we're really confident now that we're going to be able to open on Monday the 18th and provide really an enjoyable experience in a safe and comfortable environment. And, you know, Brent, I, I, you guys talk sports every day, so I know you, you know you all know this more than anything. But, you know, for us, with sports sort of kind of on pause now, you know, the Hall of Fame is going to be a place that is going to let fans relive some of golf's greatest moments and really celebrate the game's greats in a safe and comfortable environment. So we're excited to to be able to reopen to the public here on Monday. Brody Waters with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. He's from the uh, World Golf Hall of Fame down in St. Augustine and uh, the museum, of course. Uh, Brody, I think you just said it. It's not just relive golf, but it's kind of get out and do something. You know, I mean, that could be a nice little... Uh, boom for you guys, and I think sometimes people take for granted it's right down the road, it's it's uh, right in our own backyard, and it's the World Golf Hall of Fame. I mean, the the greats that we talk about, from Jack Nicklaus to Tiger Woods uh, to today's phenomenal golfers, uh, and I do think sometimes people are like, oh yeah, that's right there off ninety five. I mean, exit three twenty three. It's easy to get to. Um, this could could be a a nice little promotional opportunity for the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, it really might be, but you know, we're excited to. I think you know, we typically our audience primarily is out of towners coming down to Florida for golf vacations or traveling south. You know, if they're the snowbirds, um, so this gives us an opportunity to really cater towards the local market. We're doing some things to to really try to express our you know appreciation and just being kind of good community partner. So one of the things we're doing is starting on Monday for all Northeast Florida residents. We're going to have 50% off admissions. So it's a great opportunity to come in. For those who aren't familiar with the facility, 
Spacing's not going to be an issue. It's 70,000 square foot facility. Yeah. It's perfect um, for social you know, distancing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's built in there. And, you know, I know we've had some incredible weather the past, you know, several weeks and, and, and really a couple months, but inevitably the heat is going to come. So, you know, if you, everyone still needs to get your steps, get your exercise, and hey, why not walk through 70,000 square feet of some of the greatest golf memorabilia and, and stories that you've ever seen? Absolutely. Brody Waters with us. Uh, as we wrap up, I, I do want to say as well, uh, you guys are going to honor the service of first responders and frontline workers, complimentary uh, admission. How will that work? Uh, any, Yeah, I mean, our it's the, the least that we can do. Obviously, you know, around the country, uh, the first responders and frontline workers have, have been true heroes throughout this process, and, and that's the case here on the first coast as well. So any, uh, it's, it's not an overly complicated process. Any, any first responder frontline worker can, can come to the hall of fame, show us ID and and they will be our guests, uh, free of charge. Uh, you know, again, just a small way we can say thank you for all that they've done. Um, and we we're trying to extend, you know, these great offers to, to all the residents of Northeast Florida, the five surrounding counties. Um, you know, it's, it's just an opportunity. Everyone's had a challenging couple months and we know people are anxious to, to get out to get out and about and for sports fans this is a great opportunity to do something sports related in what's going to be a very safe and comfortable environment and just to note the IMAX theater does remain closed right yes the IMAX theater will remain closed uh, according again we're following you know state guidelines and, and right now theaters are, are continue to be closed so the IMAX will be closed but the Hall of Fame Museum uh, will certainly be open beginning Monday May 18th Brody Waters, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, hopefully everybody get out there to the World Golf Hall of Fame and Museum. Take a look uh, right in our own backyard. Give them something to do. Uh, talk about all the history of, of the great game of golf. Appreciate you jumping in. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Brody Waters from the World Golf Hall of Fame. It's really one of the best kept secrets around. Uh, you know, if you like Hall of Fames and they're right, right here. Uh, it, it'll be something. I bet people have said, you know, why haven't we gone there? Or what? Mm-hmm. This would be a good time to say we're getting out of the house today. We're going there, and obviously, fifty uh, percent uh, off admission through August thirty first uh, for the folks from Northeast Florida. All you have to do is show ID for that. So that's pretty cool. I like that, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, it's good to help out. You know, businesses that are local and everything, obviously, and it's good that they're opening back up and. Check it out. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we're going to talk more about the pandemic uh, going on uh, and how it's impacting sports. But I want to give it a break for now. Uh, talk a little bit of NBA from era to era and also a little UFC because that card is coming up tonight. And a crazy question for you that I guarantee you've never been asked. You or mean, I bet you have. <laughs> Who's this question from? Just give me a little hint here. Uh, everyone I watch UFC with. Okay. Oh, I've guaranteed I've probably heard it then. Is it, <laughs> yeah. is it why, why don't they stand back up? I'm not telling up? you the, uh, the, if the it, question. If it's one of those questions like, hey, why does he just stand back up? I'm going to I'm gonna go crazy. Why does he just stand back up? Uh, it's not that. I'm going to go crazy. Okay, good. Uh, like I'm, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not, like, no, do people no, like, ask that? No, like if someone's grappling, you know, and the guy's on top, why doesn't the guy on the bottom just stand back up? Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Do you want me to show you? Do you want me to put my entire body weight on your hips and see what happens? Why don't they just punch harder? Oh, Kuz. I'm, I'm <laughs> this close. I'm actually this close impressed. To my marbles. I'm impressed when guys can get up off the mat, right? Because of that, right? I mean, and some people are comfortable. Oh yeah, so on that. On, some people make themselves at home. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I don't get it. Through the chaos, man. The I, more I learn and watch it a little bit about it, so much has to do with you hear the uh, 
the analysts talk about breathing and oh, staying yeah. calm. Yeah. The minute that you kind of raise that blood pressure, you're in trouble. <sighs> well, especially like that's what jujitsu and wrestling too teaches you. Like you have to be comfortable in uncomfortable spots. Yeah. All right. Like you're going to be in, in instances like when I, you know, when I grapple somebody and practice somebody like there's guys that weigh like 300 pounds that are laying on top of me. Now I'm a big dude, but still 300 pounds is 300 pounds. doesn't matter if it's muscle or if it's fat. It weighs a lot. All right. So when someone's laying on you, like that's not comfortable. So you have to get used to like, all right, don't panic here. Just relax and try to find your way out of it. Cause if you panic, then you, you're going to tap just from can't be able to Absolutely. breathe. Absolutely. Well, that was your last fight too. I, yeah. I think you, they were saying that saying you were fine in yeah. that situation until you got cut. Yeah. Uh, if well, you didn't get hit with the, the elbow to the eye and it exactly. cuts, cuts open, you would have been okay. But like, the, and then the cut was more of a cosmetic thing because like, I felt fine. Like, I mean, I yeah. knew I was cut because obviously when you get cut like that, I mean, there's like the warm, it's like stick your head underneath like a warm faucet. Yeah. Like, all right, well, it's, I'm probably bleeding. But that now, raises the red I, flag. I wasn't panicking. Well, yeah, it's it's for the optics and everything. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, all right. Uh, so a little bit of that uh, coming up and some NBA chatter. Error to error. Error to error. Error. I have a hard time era. saying that. That's that. That's that Massachusetts. Well, it's the era. Rhode Island era. I say that just for a era. couple of guys that used to work with me. Hope they're listening. Uh, <laughs> when we come back, Action Sports Jackson on ESPN six ninety. We might go driving dish podcast on you a little bit. Bring it, Coos. Let's get it. It's coming up next on ESPN six ninety. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.